Hey folks, this is Dylan and I want to welcome you to the Eat Wild Podcast. This podcast is about learning to hunt, it's about conservation and mentorship and adventures and over the course of uh, the next little while here I hope to bring forward a bunch of interesting guests and tell some stories and hopefully take you on a few adventures, so check it out. this episode of the Wild Podcast, Rick Havlat and I are midway through a sheep hunt in the northern Rocky Mountains, and we're talking about uh, navigation and a little bit about um, being persistent on a sheep hunt, and uh, hope you enjoy it. Okay, so we're uh, firing up another podcast here on day six of our sheep hunt. Rick and I are hunkered down in our tent. It's just past our bedtime at 8 o'clock, 8.05, something like that. 8.09. 8.09, yeah. And uh, we got lots to catch up on because um, we've had some uh, some great, some epic days. Um, we're still we're still sheepless, so there's no, no exciting news to report of a, of, a, of, a, of a dead sheep yet. But we saw some sheep. Yes. Which was very exciting. Which was about half an hour after we saw the sheep, we also spotted a hunter on the same ridge as the sheep, which sort of brought us down a level or three from our elation that we found some sheep. And then shortly after, we spotted another group of hunters on the other ridge on the other side of us, which put a bit of a damper on things. But let's go but let's go back a little bit as to talking about where we last chatted. I think we'd hunted out the first valley that we were in. We put in three days there, and we had realized there's no sheep in that valley, or we come to the conclusion based on lack of trail sign and sheep sightings that there was no sheep. So we then made a plan to... What we went down the valley. How, how far did we? It was nine uh, nine kilometers. I think we were we were camps. Uh, we had hiked two out of nine kilometers uh, down the Gatho. <laughs> I, I, I mean, <laughs> uh, the river that we were on. We'll have to edit uh, that out. Not, not that there's anybody, there's not going to be a big rush of people to come hunt the gatho for sheep seeing as, you know. Yeah, we'll have to bleep that too now. You just <laughs> yeah. said it again. Anyway, yeah, so we we, uh, we hiked seven seven more kilometers, and then I think we figured about, like, maybe another four or five through Willow uphill, searching in vain for a trail to get us into that next valley. So we, we felt like we had got into... Well, we, we did eventually find a trail, and maybe that's maybe something we'll talk a little bit about once we got you caught up. It's just about uh, 
sort of route finding and, and, and some of the things that we were thinking about during the expedition from, you know, where our uh, initial base camp was to where we, where we ended up and, and just some of the challenges that we came up against as far as crossing rivers and distances we could reasonably travel and, and then what type of terrain we were up against and more importantly, well, when we hit the wall of willows, that was, that was awful. And, um, yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit once you're all caught up. Anyway, we did finally break out in Alpine, and and we were pretty spent because that was a we figured a 12 or 13 kilometer day plus they had about 2,000 feet of vertical, most of which was pushing through wet uh, willow and berry bushes. And uh, we settled in for a for for a night, and then um, were inspired to get up in the morning and and. Uh, found ourselves climbing up to the pass at about 7,000 feet overlooking a spectacular valley. That What did you what did you say? This place is bananas or something? This place is bananas. Yeah. yeah. This place is bananas. Yeah, I, I came up, uh, uh, we, we were coming to the, the end of this ridge. There was kind of a little uh, knob at the end of it that... Uh, I, came around a corner and I saw Dylan getting out his spotting scope and there's just all these little lakes, turquoise blue, um, you know, a 2,000 feet below us, maybe down in the in the, in the bottom of the valley that we, we were seeing for the first time. We're very optimistic that we we're going to see lots of sheep, um, maybe not down in the valley, but in the in the peaks ringing it. But we instead we just saw beautiful country and lots of hunters. Kind of it. hunters in every direction, which, which is unfortunate because we had, uh, I guess we should re- 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 go back a little bit because we had started out our hunt, and on our way to go up from our camp to this pass, uh, I looked up on one of the ridge lines and I saw what I thought were sheep, and I called Rick over and and I uh, said sheep up there, and I, by the time I got the spotting scope out, I looked up the hill like uh, there was no sheep. Then I looked over the whole ridge line. There's no sheep. There's just some white rocks. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going crazy. I guess I just made those white rocks into sheep. So that was kind of disappointing. Anyway, in any event, we, 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 we recovered from that disappointment, and we carried on up to the, the, to the pass and looked out over the ridge and, uh, and actually spotted a, a group of ewes and lambs which were actually on the back side of the ridge that I, that I was looking at in the morning. So kind of was good because I realized I wasn't going crazy and, and turning white rocks into sheep, um, and we did actually see some sheep. At that point, uh, Dylan and I were separated by about 60 feet, and uh, you know I, I saw him gesturing, and so I, I sat down and, and saw the sheep with my binoculars, but I wasn't able to make out that they were female. So, uh, so I enjoyed, you know, probably five or ten minutes of thinking that maybe we'd come across a group of rams. The, oh, geez, that's I'm glad I let you have that experience for that long because as soon as I, I mean, I was pretty certain that they were, well, as soon as I had the spotting scope out, I was certain that they were, it was a group of ewes and lambs. Yeah, I couldn't tell. Yeah, well, you, we were far away. We were, we were far away. Yeah, but it was fun to watch them because they were, uh. They're sure cute. I mean, like the little, the little, the little like the ewes and the lambs. The lambs are like they're they're just running around like crazy, having fun, jumping up and over the. There was a big 
big pile of snow up there that they were. It was interesting. They were actually like, uh, like rubbing themselves in the. There was like the last bit of a uh, uh, cornice on top of this ridge, and they were playing like almost right on top of the cornice and right on the underneath side of the cornice, and and they were like almost. They were. It was almost like a like a, like a wave breaking like a breaking wave, and they were inside the tunnel of the wave. And they were like scratching their whole bodies up against the inside of the wave, and they were, I think they were like eating it for for they were like chewing on it. I guess they're having a drink and getting a good scratch in, and then they would like jump up and down on top of the cornice and break through and fall down like ten feet and then go back up on top of it again and do it again. Like they were just playing. It was fun to watch. It makes it hard to think that you want to like they're gonna grow up into some beast that you want to try and kill. But I don't know. Try not to watch too many young critters. Cause takes a killer instinct away. They can't stay cute forever. <laughs> no, just like puppies and kittens. And, and, and then they were, uh, they appeared to be grazing up on, uh, you know, kind of a moonscape uh, up at the, on the very top of this ridge where it looked like there was maybe nothing at all for them to eat other than gravel. Uh, but later we, we, came into some similar terrain and saw that there were uh, all these small little plants just clinging to life uh, up up on the ridge crest. Yeah, just little, little, like little tiny, like little flowering plants growing out between a couple of rocks. And I could only assume that's what they were very, being very selective about their like high alpine flowers that they were eating. So all these beautiful high meadows that we've been walking through with, with wildflowers and grass and things like that, that, that we've been glassing as well for the last few days, thinking that we would see sheep grazing in them. Uh, we found that only elk really in those areas. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the, the sheep, the, the sheep that we've seen in this area just, just seem to be only using those higher, really barren-looking pieces of terrain. Having said that, we've looked at, like, miles and miles and miles of barren, boonscape, rocky terrain with no sheep on it either. So the, the one ha- band of sheep that we've managed to have got laid eyes on that was being chased out of the valley by these other groups of hunters, um, uh, yeah, happened to be pretty happy up top. I, in, 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 in other experience hunting sheep, like the sheep will use the, they, I mean, they, they will graze on grass if they can get to it safely and if they're undisturbed. And, uh, I think one of the reasons why that group was so high up was because they most likely had been pushed off the ridge by that, or if those guys had been hunting that area for a while, then they were probably pushed up a little higher. Um, having said that, I mean, the sheep do seem to like it up right up top. The other thing we talked about why you'll find sheep and you'll find mule deer uh, high up is uh, the bugs have been ter- like, pretty awful on this trip. Like they've been tri- driven us into the tent a number of times, um, and but the but the sheep will climb up to the tippy top of the mountain where the wind is most uh, pronounced, so they can. I think if the wind is maybe over fifteen k or maybe even ten, yeah, fifteen k or more. The bugs can't, won't really bother you as much. So if there's any kind of a sh- stiff breeze, that the bugs will stay, won't, won't be able to buzz around your head and bug you. 
And I think it's very very same for um, very similar for mule deer, particularly in the early 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 season mule deer hunts. I'll look for mule deer right at the tippy top of mountains when they're trying to get away from the bugs and up in the wind. So because they don't have like deet or you know pretty hard for them to swat bugs off their ears, you know. So does that mean for the for the balance of this trip, are we kind of focusing our search now on on the higher pieces of terrain? I think we have been this whole time. I think we've been kind of classing and keeping an eye on all of the range. Uh, but I think that we might have learned a little something there with uh, with that one group. I mean, more more so, we've learned that there's not a lot of sheep here, and we've learned that. I think that there may were a lot of places what looked like super amazing sheep range with you know awesome escape terrain. There's surprisingly there's elk using that same terrain and and uh, and there's lots of elk. And I'm pretty sure that that there'd be some. I'm pretty sure that the the that the sheep w- wouldn't hang 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 around a big elk herd. And in a lot of places it seems to be the case. There's a lot of elk around, so. What, why is that? I, I, I guess we kind of talked about this the other day, but um, why don't our 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 elk bullies? Elk are bullies. Yeah, we we did we talk about this on the podcast or we just we were just bullshitting about I it? I can't remember. Well, you guys are going to hear it twice. <laughs> but in uh, on on the Sunshine Coast, I know that uh, the blacktail population has gone down. Uh, or is it's been decreasing numbers, and there's some question as to whether or not the the growing elk population is 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 one of the culprits for that reduction in population. And a couple of the theories include that the elk really dominate the best habitat, and they make it very uncomfortable for a deer to 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 come in and, and forage. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. One, they just dominate, and they might just physically push them out. The other is you know, deer, deer, and, and sheep are, are very wary and sketchy animals, and elk are particularly noisy and and make a lot of noise because they, they're they're big herd animals. They're not, uh, the, so it, it would it would put those other ungulates at, at they wouldn't be at ease because there's so much noise and with more noise they uh, have less like they're, they're one of their main security things is that they they they, they perceive any any change in sound or any anything any any smell or anything they see will put them on alert and and uh, they're ready to bolt and get out of there and I think with with elk being so noisy and and causing such a stir that uh, it just puts them at you know they're constantly wary so they typically don't really hang out all that close together um I think that's one of the main reasons. The other, the other big reasons, and I think it's something that I'm that could very well be happening here, is that the the uh, with such a high density of elk here, no doubt there's wolves that are hammering on 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 uh, on this population of elk. They just it'll draw the draw a wolf population into this area, and and because there'll be a very fairly healthy population of wolves, uh, that that'll probably put the sheep population under pressure because if there's a wolf population that's nearby uh, you know the, those those uh, sheep will be really susceptible to you know the wolf will have elk one day and then be like hmm I feel like having a little sheep for dessert and uh, it, was, it no doubt puts a lot of pressure on it so th- those are things that are likely happening 
And what were we going to talk? We were talking about uh, what do we do after we run into hunters? Yeah. So, yeah, so, so we, we had, yeah, so finally we found some sheep on day five of this trip. And then, uh, but of course, shortly after we ran, we saw this one hunter who was sort of right in the center of this area we were intending to hunt for the next few days. And then, uh, and we, so we quickly sort of switched over to looking down at another piece of country to the south of us and figured, well, if that guy's hunting that area, we could probably hunt over here. And then we spotted another dude just walking right skyline on a ridge uh, to the south of us about, I don't know, three, four miles away, maybe not even that far away. No, like maybe a mile away. And then, then we spotted two other dudes on another ridge line kind of attached to that same mountain complex. So I'm assuming those, those three guys are together. Anyways, that puts two groups of guys in the same valley, basically, and I, I, I was assuming that they're probably two separate groups, seeing as it was one group of three and a group and one guy solo. I figured that if they were a group of four, they'd split up in, in twos. So, either way, that's a lot of hunting pressure for one valley. So, we were pretty comfortable getting the hell out of there and trying to make up another plan. And we were, what we ended up doing is there's a parallel valley to the valley that these guys are hunting which is pretty much inaccessible to them because there's a pretty high mountain pass to get over and there's glaciers in the way but from where we were camped we're able to kind of wrap around the the like it's, it, it kind of drains out parallel to the valley that we came up so we we ended up just um, instead of dropping back down the valley from the, the, the valley that we're in now we kind of just hopped up and over the ridge and into that valley and uh, that's where we are now so we're in a kind of a parallel valley with the with the hope that the amount of hunting pressure that's in that valley will push some animals up and over into this valley and the animals have no trouble getting over that ridge it's just it'd be hard for hunters to get up and over so so maybe that's our that's that's we found some enthusiasm going into today's hunt with with that in mind sorely needed sorely needed I mean desperate for enthusiasm at this point it it feels like a bit of a coup uh, looking at the map we were uh, very unsure of how feasible it would be for us to navigate from the valley we were in around the nose of this ridge and into the spot where we wound up Um, we spent a a fair bit of time uh, pouring over the map and and, uh, flying over Google Earth on Dylan's phone, trying to, you know, I guess, uh, uh, assure ourselves that the odds were reasonable that we'd be able to do it. We eventually just came to the conclusion that, well, why don't we just try and do this? Because we we're kind of out of options. We've, we've, we've hiked, I think we're 20K from the airstrip at this point. So we had already talked about being going from, like, a, we were... We're no longer in a like, we're certainly not in a place where we could shoot two sheep. Had we should we, you know, God forbid we saw a ram, let alone two rams. Uh, uh, but we're definitely down to like it's barely humanly possible for us to pack a single sheep from where we are back to the airstrip. Um, I mean, we could do it. It'll take it would take us three days, I think, to do it. Um, so yeah, with that, so we were, we talked about that a lot. 
and now that we're kind of pulled off this little shortcut, um, well, we we had, we had, we had, we decided if we couldn't pull off the shortcut, then it was probably time to start making our way home. I guess that's the other part about this this little valley thing that we're able to manage to get into. It actually puts us in a it, it uh, it'll put us ten kilometers back to the airstrip from here, I think. So we're, we'd have to go back around. Uh, the long way, um, which we were kind of prepared to do. And, and now that we're in this valley, we're actually, technically we're back into two sheep zone where if we did shoot, you know, if we did, when we do see our two rams tomorrow and we decide they're both legal, we can still legitimately shoot both of them and probably survive getting back to the airstrip. It's such a relief knowing we're not limited by that anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we haven't, I told Rick today, I was like, uh, well, maybe I told him yesterday when we were sitting up on the ridge. I said, you know, I haven't really... Like, I've seen hundreds... Well, I, I, I've for sure seen, like, well over a hundred rams while sheep hunting. Like, wait... Like, and I mean, I mean, look, like, like got, got to within almost shooting distance and, and really looked them over. I've probably watched at least a hundred rams in the last five years. And two of those rams have been legal. And... So one out of fifty rams, in my experience, are are, are legal, and uh, so I, I mentioned that today. Just to you know, after we saw those handful of females, like we got to find a ram, then we got to find fifty of them, and one of them might be legal. And so we got a long way to go before we see two rams that are legal. So I think I think uh, it's probably a dozen uh, females and juvenile sheep that we saw yesterday. Is that? Is that what you yeah, recall? Something like that, yeah. But maybe maybe a few more. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess I kind of assumed that now that we've seen a few sheep, we just just have to wait for the next sheep to come along that'll probably be a legal ram. But um, yeah, it, I didn't know that had to happen a hundred <laughs> times. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're so yeah. So you guys could all rush up to the gather to go sheep hunting because really there's no sheep here. Yeah, come on over. <laughs> yeah, well, now you know there's lots of elk here though. So, um, anyways, it's a pretty in- inaccessible spot, uh, that, and that's largely what our research told us. But we thought that if there was one sheep here, that maybe it was one that's been around for a while and uh, could be a big one. So, anyway, so we did manage to cut the corner, and now we're here, and we're enthused about tomorrow because we get to hunt a new valley and it's kind of a shortcut back to camp uh, but we did a couple things to so the, one of the reasons why we did, weren't sure if we could get in here is because it was the, the the mouth of the valley like the entrance of the valley is almost like like what looks like cliff walls on either side like a super steep V canyon um, and and we weren't sure if we could get around from our valley and then side hill into this other valley on the steep side slope. So one of the things we did, actually, we, we there was a herd of elk between us and the valley this morning. And uh, we did end up, we figured if we chased the elk uh, towards the valley that we wanted to go, that they, they would put us on the, uh, the, the direction they would escape would, would show us where the elk trail was. And uh, it actually worked out to a T because we chased the elk over and they all funneled over and into this valley, and they all came up and over the ridge on their main trail, which their main trail actually just cut right across this super steep scree slope 
rocky scree slope that's maybe how steep was that would you say mm, over over 45 is that could that be true yeah felt like it was over 45 degrees like if you like if you fell off if you slipped on the trail and started sliding on your butt you would not be able to stop like you would go all the way to the bottom and probably start rolling and most likely like high, high risk like every step along the way like I was I had like three points of contact at all times with the ground with two ski poles and a foot and I was very mindful not to like step on a loose rock or anything that looked precarious and ensured that I had firm footing before I moved another one of my three points of contact that being said it was a surprisingly good trail yeah, uh, those elk did a good job. They did a great job. Nice line, yeah, super solid, and uh, and actually wrapped. What was really nice is that we were kind of capped, camped at about six thousand feet in the other valley, and we, uh, we maybe, yeah, and then we basically just wrapped around and around the the ridge into this valley, and the and, the, and that trail kind of kept us around six thousand feet the whole way, so maybe fifty five hundred or something. But anyway, it was really convenient. So we didn't actually. Today was actually our easiest day. We managed to get into a new, whole new valley without having to go down, which is painful and hard on your knees and body and everything, and then climb back up another, you know, 1,500 feet into another valley. We just sort of side-held around and thought we'd won the lottery, kind of. Which was just as well, because we didn't leave camp until a quarter after three. Well, that's, yeah, and that's not, yeah. We got, uh, last night, last night we were woken up by, I think, well, I think the tent lit up like someone was taking a picture of our tent with a flash, followed up by a huge crash of thunder and lightning. And uh, that, yeah, it was shaking our tent, the the rain and the thunder and lightning, and it went on for, I don't know, how long was it going on for? I don't know. I was sort of partly, uh, or like not fully awake for all of it, Um, but... At least half an hour, I think we were getting uh, pretty regular lightning strikes all around us. Um, and in, in my kind of days, I couldn't quite remember how well protected our tent site was from lightning. Uh, so I, I was counting the seconds, um, and I, I think I, I think I think some of the strikes came within uh, a kilometer or so. There were kind of two. I think there were two thunderheads that passed by us and one of them uh, I think passed by about a kilometer and a half away maybe five seconds delay with the thunder and then the other one was was maybe a kilometer one was close like, I mean, it, it seemed simultaneous that it was so bright like it was very bright yeah that was incredible how like how much it was lit up and... bright enough that it uh, like the, the lightning not the thunder but the lightning woke me up by like shining through my closed eyelids, yeah, um, it's pretty, pretty alarming. Yeah, it felt pretty. I, I don't. I, I mean, you know, being on the west coast, we don't get a lot of thunder and lightning. It's not something I get to experience very often. So to, and I just felt I, I was kind of. I was up for a while after. Just yeah, that woke. I mean, just energized me a little bit. It was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty exciting. Pretty awesome. Yeah. I, I, I was alarmed. You, you, I don't, you didn't seem that concerned did you feel pretty safe i didn't really think about the, the fact that like we could get zapped like 
<laughs> right. I mean, I'm pretty sure that my thermorest is, is not all that conductive, so I thought I was fine. Just kept my feet up off the ground, you know? Yeah, and our, our, our tent has aluminum poles, which I guess would have conducted the lightning <laughs> uh, safely around us and into the ground. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, it didn't really occur to me that like we were going to get zapped, but I was. I, w- I did think briefly about the guys that were camped up on the ridge, the other, like right up exposed on the ridge, thinking, well, God, it would suck to be out. Well, I mean, it was the wind and the rain that came before it that's actually the part that concerned me more as to whether or not we were going to, like, if we, the water was going to saturate our tent and and, um, and so on, and if everything was going to be dry in the morning. That, that's more what I was thinking about, but... Yeah, pretty awesome experience. So hence, our late start today was because we were still... Uh, that that rain carried on uh, well into the morning, and then when we poked our head out at 5 in the morning, um, it was a whiteout still from basically fog and, and more rain. So we had a, l- a long morning of laying around in the tent and listening to our audiobooks and waiting for it to... Uh, yeah waiting for it to clear off, which eventually it did. At about 3 o'clock, we had cleared off, and we went for a little adventure, and it was a pretty easy day for us to get into this other valley. So inspired tomorrow to um, have a successful hunt. Me too. Totally. Did, uh, did, did, we, did we want to talk a bit more about our misadventures coming up into the valley, looking for the elk trail? Or oh, the horse yeah. trail. Well, yeah, I think it's sort of worth it just as a so there's something of value for people. If, if any of this is of value, I have no idea. Um, but one of the things I spent a lot of time when you're doing stuff like this and you're and you're uh, trying to make your way up a mountain. I I, I remember I, my friend Sam, who's a young hunter and and uh, he's he's been through a bunch of our courses and he's a good guy. Um, but he's been on some terrible hunts and and it's most mostly because they they haven't really adhered, like he'll he'll be he'll tell me about like yeah we had like five kilometers to this blowdown patch and we had our packs for 80 pounds and we were trying to get to the top of the mountain and and I and I just I'm like Sam you just don't do that like you don't go you don't you you, you can't if, if there's five kilometers of blowdown that means you can't go there like there's certain things that limit you he had another goat hunt on the coast mountains where they were Climbing up to six or seven thousand feet in West Coast mountain country, and uh, and they were hiking through just impenetrable West Coast. Uh, you know, there's slile up to you know eight foot high slile, and there's also Devil's Club, and then just 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 you know impenetrable awfulness from ocean to six thousand feet was their was their plan and. And like that's just not that's just not a good plan. Like you got you got to do a better job of planning your navigation uh, from where you start to where you intend to hunt. And um, so I think that's something that we're, we're trying to put a video together while we're up here to just talking about the different ecosystems, well, more so the ground cover that that really makes it difficult to to navigate. So one of the uh, well the the uh, the first thing we were really conscious of when going from our first main camp area to, to where we are now is that we had to walk down the river eight or nine kilometers, and there's a few things that are going to be a challenge with that. Like there's 
there, there may well be a horse trail that goes up and down the valley, but horses don't mind crossing the creek regularly. So for, for us on foot, um, we needed to be prepared to cross the creek. So well, we, we brought croc, croc shoes so that we could change out of our hiking boots and uh, take our pants off and throw on the crocs and, and cross the creeks. Um, but you can only cross a creek if it's like less than knee-deep, I'd say. Uh, if it's any more than that, you, you run the risk of getting pushed over, and and uh, there's also a chance that if you get your foot stuck between a rock, uh, if it's any deeper than that, like you could really cause, you could really have a problem, and break a leg. Um, the other thing we're thinking about when you're thinking about rivers is um, where we are it, in the mornings, the rivers are quite low, and then by the afternoons, because of all the glacier runoff, if it's warm out, they 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 rise quite a bit and they get faster. So. It could be an easy crossing in the morning, but if you're planning to cross in the afternoon, it could be a foot higher and, and significantly faster. So that was one thing we were thinking about. Is yeah. So if I remember correctly, I, I think that uh, that factor of the the water rising later in the day led us to cross the river earlier than we otherwise would have. That- yes. Yeah, we kind of got a little bit. We were getting close to our destination, so we figured we should probably cross now before we got any higher which took us off the horse trail that we were on and then we were on sort of navigating on game trails which which can be excellent like a game trail can be great um, except they don't always go where you want to go so you'll kind of be on the game trail you're making headway and then all of a sudden it'll peel off and go up a valley or down or just just not or it'll just peer right out for whatever reason and uh, and then you're sort of stuck trying to figure find a new trail so we did a bunch of bunch of that kind of making a little headway on a game trail and then we get stuck and we have to go up or down to find another trail and then we make some headway and then you get stuck when you really started to figure out what types of ecosystems to avoid or ecosystems or like this like ground cover to avoid so there was the uh the swampy not like the mossy swampy grassy area that looked really inviting from a distance because you don't see willow or brush or trees on it. You're like, oh, that looks nice and clear. So let's go down a little bit and we'll cross. We'll, we'll, we'll get some headway up the river there. And you get into it and your boots sink in six inches and every step feels like you're you're pulling your foot out of the mud and then into the mud, you know, every step. And you're heavy and exhausted after 10 steps. So then you wind up having to go higher up and then you get into the sort of the, the bear, there's sort of blueberry bushes and willow bush. Um, kind of everywhere, and uh, that's uh, that's just, and then that can be like ankle high, which is nice, or it can be six feet, eight feet high, which isn't so nice. And there's lots of bear prints in the trail, which make kind of ominous. If you can't really see, it's a little ominous when you're looking at lots of bear poops and lots of bear tracks on the same trail that you're navigating, but you can't see two feet in front of you. And then you're uh, going straight uphill, uh, and that adds another foot or two to the apparent height of the willow. Yeah, definitely. So the other the other ecosystem is the is the the fir trees. There's the spruce trees and fir trees here, both of which can grow in sort of they're all kind of stumpy here. They're all like um, we're high enough that they're that they grow quite dense, but not very high. But with that density, they they you know, you, you try to, you just can't walk through them. And, they're, and they grow across the ground, too, because I guess they get so pressed by the snow 
that they're kind of growing across the they almost like they're almost like vines across the ground so again if they're only a foot high you can almost walk right over top of them but more often than not they're like four feet high or six feet high and it's just like impenetrable so you, you basically have to navigate around it so with all those factors we without a trail you're basically pushing physically pushing through these different uh habitat types and the challenge of course is if they're if they're wet which was they were for a great portion of the day on our way up here is they kind of paint you with water all day long which you know eventually your Gore-Tex will fail and you get saturated so it's yeah it could be kind of not picking a route uh, and, and not finding a trail uh, that, that doesn't have these you know you want to find a if you're ideally, if you can find a an open ridge line, I find that ridge lines seem to be a bit more open. And I also look for, like, uh, try and make as much of my elevation in in like mature forest. If there's mature forest that runs up up a mountain, I find that going up through a forest is always better than trying to go up through like slide pass or slide alder. Um, and then, yeah, if I can go up through forest and then find a ridgeline higher up, then ridgelines seem to be a little bit uh, clearer. The other thing we, that's kind of a good rule of thumb is, is go up a south face if you can. Uh, the forward, the, the uh, ecosystems are a little bit, uh, um, or the forest cover, I should say, are, is a little bit more open uh, and uh, on a south face, whereas the north face that we came up to here was... It was just thick as shit from the bottom of the river right to where it finally broke into Alpine and the things thinned out. Um, and there wasn't really a horse trail up into this valley. Maybe a little bit of one, eh? But it kind of came and went. Yeah, yeah, so with the benefit of hindsight, um, I mean, in our case, we, we weren't really able to go up the, the south face because of the uh, structure of the canyon. Um, can you think of a way that we could have avoided pushing through that willow uphill for hours like we did? I think had we taken a bit more time to, like, I think we knew, we, like, we did a, we looked over the hill for a long time trying to figure out where were they, where, if you were a horse trail, where would you be? That's always a question I ask. Like, where can you, where, where could you build a horse trail? Where, and, and, and I think we looked it over at length and we didn't, but we didn't, once we kind of started looking for the horse trail, it was so miserable just pushing. What we were doing is we were going, um, uh, instead of just going straight up, we kind of contoured the base or of, of this valley looking for where a horse trail may start. And there was there was a few uh, game trails that were significant enough that they, they, they looked like they could be horse trails, and they kind of started us up the mountain. And we were like, oh, we're on the horse trail. we go up the mountain about a few hundred vertical feet and then realized that it would peter out into an elk. It was definitely a game trail. So then our option would have been to go back down to the bottom of the valley and then continue to contour around to see if we could pick up what we think is a horse trail. Um, and we probably should have just gone back down and reset and then kept working our way around and, and proving our theory right or wrong that the horse trail 
followed up this this one ridge uh, to the uh, south of the valley, which is the most logical place to build a, a horse trail. And uh, we never really gave that a fair shake because we ended up just kind of almost beelining it, going straight up from the the river mouth right up to the from the river straight up to the the main hanging valley of, of where we ended up. So probably should have given them more time. Hmm. Yeah, we you you the 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 some of the things to know, to know you're on a horse trail. Like we did eventually find. Uh, some branches that would have been cut by a saw. That was an indicator of the horse trail that we eventually got onto. And then uh, we did find the horse trail, I guess, eventually, yep, towards the top. Uh, yeah, it, it uh, took forever, though. And then we we were we were unsure of which direction was which because it seemed like maybe there was going to be switchbacks going up and then one way was going down. Oh yeah, we hit the horse trail and then we like started hiking down it and then it started going downhill. It's like, oh well, that must mean the horse trail goes the other way. So we went the other way and then it was going downhill too. <laughs> but I think we eventually figured it out. It did drop down a little bit and then it started going up. So, so yeah, the other indication on horse trails, of course, is uh, ho- uh, well, foot uh, horse prints, hoof prints, and uh, and uh, horse poop because it seems to last forever. So there's so that so yeah, we did find it and. Uh, yeah, eventually got us up here, and we survived, and I I surprised myself that I made it. You're, you're a lot younger and tougher than me, so. I was listening to Harry Potter, which helped a lot. <laughs> Just get into your audiobook as you climb up the, yeah. Yeah, what, one, thing, one thing on my list to figure out for next trip is uh is how to how to run the earbud cable so that the willow can't just rip it out of my ear every other step <laughs> yeah all right well i think um i think we're ready for tomorrow we gotta we gotta see some